Hi, I am Pastor Ann Deneen from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Gloucester, Massachusetts, and you are listening to the Two Bald Pastors, connecting real faith with real life. Might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Today we are joined by Andrew Steele and the real Nate Burkus, who are here <laughs> from the ELCA. They're on the global sponsorship team, and uh, they're here with us today. So welcome, guys. Glad to have you here. Hey, so good to be here. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. So we want to first get to know who you are. So if you could just tell us a little bit about your story, what your specific role is in the, in the Global Church Sponsorship, and how you got there. Cool. Yeah, so this is Andrew, and I guess I'll just start it off and, and start it by saying that I am a PK squared. So we'll just start PK there with squared. my identity of pastor's kid twice over. Both my parents are pastors uh, serving in Maryland. So uh, one of those special kids in the church with that opportunity to be blessed and cursed at times. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm from New Jersey and I, I went to Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio, Tiger okay. Up, Tigers, played football there. And after college, I uh, had the awesome opportunity to serve as an ELCA Young Adult and Global Mission Volunteer in Bloemfontein, South Africa, which is a medium-sized city kind of in the middle of South Africa. And there I lived at an orphanage for AIDS orphans, and I worshiped at a Lutheran church in the city. Uh, I preached a couple times, which was crazy, and and really had an incredible experience and opportunity to to discern what I wanted to do with my life. And because at that point, I really wasn't sure. And found out that all I had to do was kind of open up my heart, mind, and ears to God and listened to see where I was being called. And, and I was called to nonprofit work. I got a job at uh, United Way in Chicago and then found my way to working for the ELCA campaign at the churchwide office, uh, doing uh, donor relations work there. And now I get the incredible privilege to serve as the director of Global Church Sponsorship, which is now kind of full circle for me because it uh, is the program that raises the money and support and awareness for the Young Adults and Global Mission Program. So I feel like I've kind of gotten just incredible opportunities in the church to discern my calling and I'm living out my vocation every day. Awesome. That's great. That's great. And was it your experience as a volunteer for the year uh, in South Africa that really kind of just led you to want to continue in the church work, or were you looking at other nonprofit opportunities as well? No, it was definitely that experience. I mean, growing up in the church, you know, again, the kid of two pastors, I mean, I, I definitely, I enjoyed that experience. I also saw how the <laughs> the Lutheran sausage was made at the church. <laughs> no, to say, to use an overused kind of gross term there, but um, it wasn't until that experience that I experienced the larger church, you know, the, the global church, but also the, the ELCA, which really literally invested money in my experience, you know, mm-hmm. because right. we 
we invest in those young adults to go have that experience. And so to, to say, here's a year of your life and your only job is to live in community, to be in solidarity with the marginalized with whom you are serving and to discern your call. And honestly, I ever since then, I was like, I am digging this ELCA thing more than I thought. And I always knew I wanted to kind of work for the church and be more involved, but um, it was that experience that definitely solidified it for me. That's awesome. That's great. I'm Nate Burkus. The, the real Nate The Burkus. other Nate Burkus. <laughs> um, so my story is actually quite similar to Andrew's in terms of also going to a private Lutheran college. I went to Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. Okay. Yep. Nice. And, and, and then after that, I went and served as a YAGM volunteer, also Young Adult and Global Mission. The Terrible acronym, YAGM. <laughs> um, you got to work on that. And also served in South Africa. So I, I was also shaped by that program. My, my being formed by the Global Church actually started maybe a little earlier than Andrew's. I was a missionary <laughs> kid in Madagascar. Oh, wow. Uh, so my parents were missionaries, and actually my grandparents were missionaries before them uh, in Madagascar. So I had a really neat opportunity to, to experience you know, what it, what it means to be a part of the global church at a very early age. But similar to Andrew, it wasn't until South Africa when I was a, a Yagam myself where I got to realize and understand what it means to be a part of the global church personally. You know, I, I, it was the first time where my parents weren't with me and helping me to, to see the ways in which the church was, was supporting me. And uh, so it was very, very formative in, in my life as well, and also the reason for, for why I'm working now for the ELCA. I, I think Andrew and I both say quite often that if it wasn't for Yagum, there would no, there's no way that we would be working yeah. for, <laughs> right. for the church. So, now, were uh, you guys in yeah. South Africa at the same time? You know, I was actually the year before Andrew, okay. so I served in 2009 to 2010, and Andrew was 10 to 11. Yeah, you know, Nate got to uh, experience the World Cup in South Africa, oh, wow. and I got, wow. to, I got to experience all the cheap World Cup t-shirts. <laughs> so, and, and yes, for your listeners who might be wondering, Nate, by the way, just a little known fact, he did have a pet lemur, so <laughs> that Madagascar uh, stereotype might be true. I don't know. Very cool. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So what, so what were the kinds of the things you did in South Africa to be in community? You mentioned that, but what, what were the kinds of things that brought you into community? Yeah, great question. So I was in Port Elizabeth, so the fifth largest city, and, and actually there are five Lutheran churches in South Africa in Port Elizabeth. And so I had the unique opportunity to s sort of split my time going between the five Lutheran churches, and a lot of what it means to be church in South Africa is being among, with and among your community. And so uh, they have incredible social ministry programs. So we did soup kitchens. We did, I, I worked at a daycare. Uh, I did some elder programming uh, and did some home visits as well. Uh, so really spent a lot of time going between those five churches, but then also spending a lot of time just sitting down and having coffee and, and tea with folks from the from the Lutheran Church and hearing about their story. You know, South Africa is a really interesting context because uh, the apartheid happened, and it's it's 
it was 1994 when it when it ended. So it's still very much a part of their history. And I mean, as a white male, to be able to sit down and, and have conversations with black South Africans was was something that was just very, very eye opening uh, and, and an important part of shaping me to have those conversations more often, I guess. I'd say that it really sh- kind of hits you early on in your experience as a volunteer that your your purpose is actually uh, to be, not to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird for us coming out of colleges that, you know, and, and even in, in our culture here in the U.S. of like, you know, build that resume and, and right. get all that stuff done and join all these clubs and sport teams. And then you're plopped down in like rural South Africa or Madagascar or Cambodia. And they're like, OK, now you just have to be in community for a year. Wow. <laughs> it's, you know, like my only job was to just hang out with kids uh, on an orphanage, I mean, primarily. And, and so when they'd go to school, it was, a, it was also on a farm, which was really cool. And so when they'd go to school, I'd be doing farm stuff, which I got to tell you was pretty hilarious because I'm from New Jersey and I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> we're the garden state. We're not the farm state. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. And so, you know, I was humbled quickly in that experience. That was kind of the first uh, sense of humor thing from God that I experienced. But um, it's all about being in community and kind of stepping back and, and learning about this model of accompaniment, which the ELCA, that's how we do our global mission work is through accompaniment. We accompany our companions. We don't go to say, do this do that, we accompany them. And for me, if I could just tell a quick story of a way that uh, I, I realized that was, uh, there was one day that our job on the farm was was gonna plant, we had to plant a, a field of corn, okay? Now, me and two of the gentlemen who came from the nearby village to help had to plant this whole field of corn ourselves and we had to do it by hand. I mean, literally a kernel at a time. Wow. Uh, and it was hot. I, I just remember being, I don't know if it was summer or not. I mean, it was always hot in Bloemfontein and it, it was very hot that day. And we're out there all day long. I mean, sweating and, and kind of uh, commiserating with each other and, and accompanying each other in our sorrows of having to like plant this field of corn kernel by kernel. Um, but, you know, the day ended and I'm standing there like, yes, you know, I feel so accomplished. Like none of my friends have ever done this. This is so cool. And I, you know, I was patting myself on the back and, and I just, I felt so good about myself, right? Because I planted a whole field of corn by hand. And so went to bed, slept well that night, but then I get a knock on the door in the morning and it's one of the gentlemen who was planting with us. And he said, Andrew, I got bad news. We got to plant the field all over again. He's like, yeah, the guinea fowl came and ate all the corn as soon as we left the field. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? And so we did it all over again. And and at the time it was like super frustrating for me. And honestly, I haven't even, it didn't hit me until a couple years later when I thought about it and said, well, you know what though, that, that experience gave me two days of incredible conversation and camaraderie with two men who normally in my normal day life, I would never spend time with, you know? And so I learned so much about them and their families and, and about myself. And so that is what the experience is about. It's to just be in community with people who normally you may never interact with and just learn from each other. Well, that's great, you know, to have that perspective because so many times I think I, I know I have felt this when, when you have completed a task and then someone says, oh, no, you have to do the whole thing over again. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. One way is to 
be upset about that and say, I have to do all this hard work over again. But mm-hmm. the, the way that you are looking at it is, you know, yeah, I have to do the work again, but I have another opportunity to continue to have amazing conversation and to walk and do ministry with, with these people. So, I mean, that, that's just an um, amazing perspective that we can all learn from. Yeah. I wondered, having not done it myself, when you are uh, in mission on one of these teams, I mean, are you on a team? Are you by yourself? Do you have a host family? How does, how does that whole yeah. thing work? So every every country program is a bit unique, and it depends, you know, geographically. If it's a large country like South Africa, we were all very spread out from each other. Okay. The nearest uh, volunteer to me was two hours away to the west in Kimberley, South Africa. Okay. And so we most volunteers are living with host families, or they are connected with a family or a local pastor. So, um, and in some countries, they actually live with one another, like in our. Jerusalem West Bank uh, program, they, they actually room together. The neat thing, though, about this program and what makes it so, so different than, than you know, Peace Corps and other volunteer opportunities is that each country program has a country coordinator, usually an ELSA pastor who serves as a long-term missionary, and they are in country with you to just be there with you to make sure that things are okay. They handle your logistics. They give you your stipend every month. They're there to host retreats and Bible studies. And so you're actually encouraged to question your faith, encouraged to challenge it and and say, you know, what is up with all this poverty and injustice and how is this okay? And, And where does this fit into my Christian and Lutheran faith. And so you might be living in rural areas where you're hours away from someone else, but you're always connected to the other volunteers through, you know, your cell phone, your your email and stuff, and then always the country coordinator in country with you, which is just an incredible network of support, honestly, and, and something that I've really cherished personally. So so it sounds like that was a pretty formational uh, relationship. Is that someone that you still keep in contact with? Yeah, our well, Nate and I, you know, we had the same country coordinator, Reverend Brian Conkle and his wife, Kristen. Brian serves as one of the pastors at Gustavus Adolphus College in uh, Minnesota. And so uh, in touch with Brian all the time. And I mean, they really are really important people in your life when, to be honest, for most of us, I mean, it's the most vulnerable we've ever been, you know, to have a year where you're just you know, you're in this foreign country and you don't know anybody. Um, and so there, he's still, like a, I would say, probably a spiritual kind of mentor to us. And Nate, were your parents, when you said that they were missionaries, were they involved in Yagam as well as kind of country coordinators or were they doing something else? <laughs> yeah, good question. So they, they served as missionaries before Yagam was around. So Yagam started in 1999. Uh, my parents were missionaries uh, in the... 80s and early 90s. Uh, so I grew up in Madagascar. They're incredible, <laughs> I'll just say. Uh, I'll second that. <laughs> <laughs> so my my dad felt a call to to serve as a missionary. His he, you know he lived in Madagascar as a missionary kid as well when his when his parents were missionaries, and so he felt a call to go back to Madagascar. He got his degree in civil engineering um, from the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and so he decided that his call was to go to Madagascar and he was placed to help with some sanitation projects. So he he did a lot of uh, work related to that, helping to both implement projects, but then also uh, help to support and, and do that part of it as well. And then my mom was, a, was helped with supporting me and my sister and my brother and actually 
this is a weird story, but uh, the last few years that we lived in Madagascar, we lived in Ansira Bay, which is south-central Madagascar, and lived on a Norwegian missionary compound. Uh, so who would have thought that there would be a whole bunch of Norwegians in Madagascar? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but uh, there are. Uh, incredibly. And so my mom also helped to welcoming in guests and, and doing all of that as well. So supporting the, the work that was happening there as well. That's great. Have your siblings been impacted by that by working in, in uh, missionary type work as well? Yeah. So actually my, my older sister, she is a nurse. And so I definitely formed and shaped by growing up as a, as a missionary kid. Um, and, and felt called to, to care for others. Uh, my younger brother, he actually decided that he wanted to do Yagam as well. So he just got back this last, this past summer, a couple weeks ago from serving in Cambodia um, as, a, as a Yagam volunteer. So uh, he too very much sort of felt called to doing global ministry. I think very much realized that uh, through his year, had an opportunity to experience what it means to be a part of the global church and on his own as well. So kind of a neat thing. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Something I'd be interested in hearing more about, um, you guys brought up the idea of accompaniment. And uh, because it's, it's a partnership, it's, it's everybody contributing rather than one doing it to the other. What are some of the things that uh, the church, as you've experienced it in America, can learn from um, our, our partners abroad? That's a great question, and there really is a lot to learn, right. especially you know in some of these contexts where the Lutheran Church is growing. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one quick thing for me is in South Africa and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Southern Africa, when when it was came time for offering, we danced our offering up the aisles and put them in a basket. So you know there was a, a lot of celebration about giving and generosity, and and there's in so much uh, happiness in being able to give. So much so that there were even multiple offerings of service. And I kind of learned the hard way you know, early on where I put all my money in the first one, and they're like, "All right, we're having an <laughs> offering for the." communion bread. And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) I don't care. So that was just a funny thing. But I think part of a larger part of that is kind of this living in abundance thing. And, and we have a a wonderful colleague, uh, Rahel Imatula Williams, who is Tanzanian. And she talks a lot about when she was growing up in the church, that if people didn't have money to give, they'd bring crops and eggs and, and chickens and things that they would give up as an offering to the church, which the church would auction off afterwards to provide some income. And I think living in this mentality uh, of abundance rather than scarcity is so crucial and something I think we can learn um, from uh, another colleague of ours, Reverend Malween Arik. He is actually uh, our, one of our missionaries in You'll see a missionary serving in South Sudan, and he himself is South Sudanese and was a refugee uh, from South Sudan to the United States, became an ELCA member, and then became an ELCA pastor. And he has an incredible story and is now back in South Sudan overseeing one of our global ministry projects that's part of the campaign for the ELCA, which is building a Lutheran center and clinic. So launching the Lutheran church by building a worship space, a community center, and also a clinic 
that will serve women and girls. And when we were there in November, a small delegation of us went there for the groundbreaking. I asked Pastor Moeen, I said, you know, what would you have to say to some of the, the ELCA pastors, your brothers and sisters back home about the future of the church? You know, because you have this amazing perspective of he's in a country, you know, where when he tells people he's a Lutheran pastor, they're like, what is a Lutheran? <laughs> no, there are, right, right. There are yeah. none in the whole country. So he said, you know, tell, tell the pastors that the church is not dying. Tell them that the church is like a tree. And maybe in America right now, it's winter and there are no leaves on the tree. And maybe it's summer right now in Africa and there are a lot of leaves on the tree. It doesn't mean that the tree, the tree is dying because there aren't leaves on it. It doesn't mean that the church is dying. It just means that maybe right now it's, it's, it's more alive somewhere else and the seasons will change. And I, I thought it was a powerful message. And I think we have to be willing to open our ears and hearts and minds to, to learning from our companions so that we can maybe shift from a fall or spring where there might not be many leaves on the tree to a summer with much fruit. I mean, that's, it was a beautiful kind of metaphor that he used for that and I think a lot you know to learn from it yeah that's really fantastic that idea of abundance is critical and it's so hard when all you see are the negatives or we don't have enough or we don't have enough but we're really you know when again it's the mindset of when we see that we do have abundance we do have enough we are blessed by God with so many things it's then that we really can embrace what God has given us to be good stewards of that for the world. And that idea of the tree in different seasons, I mean, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Actually, one of our, our Yagam alumni last year, you were asking, you know, what are, what are ways in which the ELCA, what, how can we learn from our companions? Well, one of our Yagam alumni literally did that at her congregation. She asked people to bring gifts other than just money. And so people on that Sunday brought... Uh, vegetables, they brought bananas, they bought, brought different fruit, and then uh, similar to what happened, she, she served in Rwanda, her name is Sarah Brock, and similar to what happened at her congregation in Rwanda, she then sold the different items uh, to people who did want them. Uh, and so it was a really neat opportunity to sort of bring back one of these really cool ways of doing offering and, and having it be a celebration and having it be, you know, thinking much more than just what do I have financially, but what other gifts do I have and how can I, how can I have that be a part of, a part of our church? So just a really neat thing. And I, I would add to uh, Joe and Jeff that like, Something we saw a lot in South Africa and that we see a lot in our companion churches, whether it's, you know, Southeast Asia where the church is just being born or, or places in Africa where it's just growing so fast, is that people are proud to be Lutheran and it's okay. You know? <laughs> like, like in South Africa, you know, there'd even be T-shirts that literally said proudly Lutheran on the back. And there were Luther roses on cars. And I mean— people invited their friends to come to church and they were so, so proud of me their there, identity. To be <laughs> and hey, you know, I think there is nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, we get the awesome opportunity to meet incredible people all around the church who give gifts to ministries and support the church. And, you know, we are doing some amazing things uh, as church together, you know, all for the sake of, of you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I, I just, I think that, it's okay for us to come together and start really living into being proudly Lutheran. Um, 
especially as next year we'll ring in 500 years of the of the Reformation to join hands with our brothers and sisters around the world and say, hey, we are Lutheran with you and we are like happy and excited and proud to do that. Um, I don't know. I just think it helps with like that mentality and a culture shift, a paradigm shift of kind of the, yeah, the, the scarcity mentality or the, you know, be ha- we have to be too humble. Uh, we have to be humble or, or you know, God's going to be upset with us. Well, it's okay to celebrate the wonderful things we can do together. Do you think there's something different done to have that sense of pride in your faith or your denomination that we can, again, learn from? You know, and I'm seeing it a little bit more, you know, we're, we're in our, well, I just turned 30, Nate's still 29, so I, <laughs> I, guess, I don't know if I'm a young adult anymore, but our friends and other young adults that we kind of hang out with, I don't know. I mean, we, we are proud to belong to something, right? And, and there's this, this uh, maybe it's just the sense of community that exists in, in, at least in South Africa where we served, that we experienced, where that belonging, that sense of belonging to a larger community than just yourself is so key. You know, and, and Desmond Tutu talked a lot about this and wrote a lot about Ubuntu, I yeah. am because we are, you know, right, right. I think, and I, we, we need to just live more of an Ubuntu life in, in our church. And I, I think, you know, we were at the churchwide assembly this summer and it was, it, it was such a positive community, a positive space and people were happy and celebrating things. And I think we need to just do that more as church together of let's celebrate together. And, and I think if we live into that community more, um, it will make us to be a little more proudly Lutheran. And with that, you know, people's giving might go up and their attendance might go up and people might be more excited to say, hey, I belong to that church and I want you to come with me. So, no, I think that's great. And I think that's, you know, important. And I think, you know, I as a pastor and, and I'm sure Jeff too can say that we would love to have our members walk out our doors and be proud to be part of our church. And I'm not saying they're not proud, but to do it in a way where you're going to wear a sheet t-shirt and say, yes, I'm proud to be Lutheran. You know, I, I'm not sure how many people in our congregations would actually do that. But yeah, Or we say jokingly, you, well, you lost no, me when you, when you said, you, you know, you invite people to come to church. With <laughs> right. Yeah. What's that? Uh, I, we joke about yeah. that, but I mean, if, why wouldn't we? If we're excited well, to be a part said, of this great community of believers, yeah, well, it's, why wouldn't it be exciting to share? Yeah. Yeah, and I think a colleague of mine once said, like, a hotel is, is, wel- is a welcoming place. You know, that you, they welcome people all the time to the hotels, and, and you got to be inviting, though. So we can't, we have to be more than a welcoming church. Yep. We have to be an inviting church. And that's, you know, that, that's what the Lutherans in Tanzania do. They go out and they invite everybody. <laughs> yeah. But they also do it, they, a lot of times their evangelism begins with, with social services, with health care, with education, with feeding programs, and then come the, hey, so you've been coming to this hospital for all this time and it's a Lutheran hospital. Do you want to kind of learn what that's about? And so yeah. um, leading by that service sometimes I think could be a good piece as well. So you guys do global sponsorships. You want to share what that is and how people can connect with you and and be involved in that work? Global Church Sponsorship basically has four four different pieces that we're sort of highlighting, sharing the story about raising awareness and raising support for. Uh, We've covered a lot of them already, but our missionaries, uh, so we have about 70 long-term missionaries who are serving around the world all over the world, literally, 
And then on top of that, we have our Young Adults and Global Mission volunteers as well. Uh, so that makes up about, yeah, over 220 missionaries serving around the world. After that, we also have scholarship program that is for our international leaders. Since the beginning of the ELCA and, and even before, the, we as Lutherans have been providing scholarships for people to earn degrees, uh, whether it is you know, MDiv or PhDs or masters or, or further education. In particular, and Ron, Pastor Ron Glusenkamp might have highlighted this a, a few weeks ago on his podcast, but uh, we also have this International Women Leaders Initiative that provides yep. scholarships for specifically for women. Uh, and so that's an, an important piece. The studies show that the very, very best investment that you can make to anything is to provide education for women because as, as the saying goes, if you send a girl to school, you, uh, you will not only change her, you will change her family, you will change her community, you will change her country, you will change her church, and, and you will change the world. So that's a really significant part of, of the story of, of the ELCA and the campaign. And then we also have our global ministry projects that our, our evangelism uh, and capacity building for 13 different Lutheran churches around the world to support them as they're growing or support them as they're starting a new initiative. Uh, so this, this project in South Sudan is a great example where literally helping to found the Lutheran church in, in South Sudan, and then as well as providing a, a space for education and a clinic as well. Uh, so those are the four big pieces that, that we're, we're highlighting. Yeah. And we like to think, you know, in a lot of ways that we have some of the best kept secrets. I mean, the Young Adults and Global Mission Program is still relatively unknown, both to like young adults to apply, but also to people who might want to support it. Uh, over 30% of the alums come home and go to seminary. You know, it's an incredible leadership development uh, program in the church. And we always get the question, you know, I didn't know we still had missionaries around the world. And we do. You know, we still have doctors and, and professors and, and teachers all around the world serving as long-term missionaries. And we do still support evangelism efforts. We're not the ones anymore that are out there planning churches, but we are partnering and supporting those who are doing it regionally. For example, you know, the, the Lutheran Church in Cambodia, which was just started about four years ago, was actually started by missionaries from the Lutheran Church in Singapore. And so now we get to walk hand in hand with the Lutheran Church in Cambodia as they're living out what it means to be the newest Lutheran Church in all of Asia. And so we are supporting evangelism projects, but we're not, you know, our model of, of global mission is not to go out and evangelize and, and tell people things and what to do. It's to, to accompany them in whatever context and, and kind of position along the walk that they are in. So part of what you guys do on a day-to-day -day basis now is to go out and help raise funds to support missionaries. Is that true? Absolutely. So we have actually over a thousand of the ELCA congregations have covenants 
with missionaries. So they have signed a covenant of financial support and prayer support for our missionaries. And so we help those relationships, uh, steward those relationships and keep them connected. And we have a team of folks, incredible staff members, Dan Byrne and, and Rahel and Matula Williams, Lee Lenning and Diane Wilk and Venice Ham, an incredible team who every single day are either visiting donors who are preaching at congregation, giving adult forms. And we even have some recently returned Yagams who are spending the next three and a half months traveling around the church and sharing the good news about their experience. And and so we, again, I, I think we have the best job in the world because we get to go and, and meet with folks and just say thank you. Thank you for your generosity that makes all this possible. And, and we're not asking people for money. We're, we're creating opportunities for people to p- connect their passions to ministries of this church. And so we would not be able to do any of the work we do without people's offering dollars, but then their special gifts as well. You guys are kind of on tour right now. Is that right? We are on a New England tour and loving it. I, I had some, uh, some kind of New England pudding for dessert at lunch. It was like a cornmeal molasses thing. I don't know what it was, but it was colonial and delicious. Um, you know, that's another perk of this job. We get to to eat, you know, good barbecue in Austin, Texas. Or yeah, well, nice. But yeah, we're we're traveling in New England now, meeting with pastors and and with individuals who support ministries directly, and it's and it's so fun to to literally be in different congregations, to see the church in new ways, but then to learn about all the incredible things that our congregations are up to both locally and globally. Wow. And we want to say a special thank you to Bethel Lutheran Church in Auburn for housing you last minute for this interview. Yeah, this was a great story. We were on our way uh, to Connecticut for some meetings this this evening, and we're kind of behind. So we we found a, a library in Auburn, uh, Massachusetts, and and stopped in. But the only private room they had was booked. And so Nate said, "Andrew, why don't you Google and see if you can find an ELCA church nearby?" And lo and behold, here's Bethel Lutheran, like five minutes around the corner. And and Pastor Andrew was so gracious. We kind of just walked in and said, "Hey, do you have Wi-Fi and a space we could meet?" So <laughs> we. we called ahead. Yeah, we did. We called ahead. About, gave him about a two-minute notice. <laughs> well, we both hey, know Andrew, so thanks for... church together and kind of, uh, you know, another example of why it's it's so cool to belong to like a denomination that is coast to coast and everywhere in between. So what are some uh, stories that you have from your positions now? When you go around talking to congregations or individuals about the wonderful work that you do. Can you share a story, a a personal story, something you experience of either someone who has been inspired by uh, a Yagam, you know, visiting their congregation or just really passionate about what the church is doing in this area? Yeah, great, great question. And and I'll I'll jump in with the first story that that comes to my mind. And we actually just had it published uh, online on our website, I believe, under the campaign website, uh, because it's just an incredible story. So we received uh, an inquiry from a pastor in very northern rural Minnesota uh, from a congregation called Elmo Lutheran Church. The pastor said, we have about 12 to 18 members a Sunday. But we really want to sponsor Reverend Wal Reed, who is our other uh, ELCA missionary in South Sudan. And we want to sponsor them. And we are very small congregation, obviously, 18 people and a very part-time pastor, but we want to do that. And so I th- Nate was, I think, in conversation with them, and they said, we want to we want to sponsor, and we will really challenge ourselves to raise $1,000 in sponsorship for Wall, which 
they said, this is going to be a challenge for us. But I think they realized, they started thinking and, and living into that mentality of abundance. And so last year, not only did they raise and sponsor Wall for $1,000, they did it for $1,200. And um, they did uh, a change collection, actually. And it was just a beautiful example that any congregation and every congregation can can be a part of the church and uh, supporting these global ministries. So that was just one that really inspired us and got us so excited. And it's one that, that really meant so much and um, was really powerful. Nice. One that comes to mind is Trinity Lutheran Church in Marshalltown, Iowa. And so we had some great conversations with, with the pastor there. And actually, the conversation was sparked because of uh, the South Sudan Global Ministry Project that, that is going on. And one of the, the members of that congregation had, had, had heard about this project and said, you know what, our congregation in Marshalltown, Iowa, has a, a pretty significant group of South Sudanese people who come to, to our congregation. We would love to have you come and, and share information about this project and, and whatnot. And it was really just a neat opportunity for us to, to go and visit with this congregation to, to share about the work that's happening in South Sudan and, and to talk about how this Lutheran church is you know welcoming and inclusive and inviting not not, not only in the ELCA in the US uh, in Marshalltown Iowa but also in South Sudan it was an, a neat opportunity to kind of see how this church works all around the world all at the same time and you know we have incredible support from congregations for uh, Yagam or, or young adults and global mission volunteers because each of the volunteers is actually asked to raise $5,000 towards their year. Uh, and so once they start doing that, congregations get excited because they're going to receive blogs and newsletters from this young adult. And so uh, we recent, well, this was last year, actually, uh, a congregation uh, down in Flower Mound, Texas, which uh, is outside of Dallas Faith Lutheran Church. And the pastor there, Rusty Sullivan, his daughter was heading to Rwanda as a young adult global mission volunteer. And so that congregation, uh, even though uh, Savannah is her name, the, the young adult who served there, she was trying to raise $4,000 towards her year. That congregation raised $14,000. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. And what's important about that is that not every one of our volunteers has the ability to raise that goal. I mean, they're going to go no matter what. But, you know, not everyone comes from a strong Lutheran background or, or a congregation that maybe has that capacity. And so any dollars that are given uh, just to the general fund for that or, or above and beyond what they ask to raise, it actually then helps all those who maybe have a little trouble raising that money to still go. And it costs about $14,000 per young adult global mission anyway. So it was incredible testament of like, we believe in this and we want to support this. And so we're going to talk to them again this year about, hey, you, you supported Savannah and had this incredible opportunity with her and got to walk with her in that ministry. What about supporting someone next year? And what makes... I think one of the most like special things about the ELCA is that we now are the, the really, maybe someone can fact check us out there, but we're kind of the last denomination, mainline denomination left in, in North America that does not require our missionaries to raise their salaries to go and serve. So like 
if someone wants to be a missionary with the ELCA, they don't have to spend their first year uh, rate going out and fundraising $80,000 so they can go and be a missionary. Okay. We're going to send them no matter what because we know that congregations uh, are so passionate about the global church that they will sponsor these missionaries and help offset those costs. And it's again, it's a testament to, to our belief in the importance of being a global church, and it's something that makes the ELCA so special. That is really special, and, and what an opportunity. I mean, and thank you guys for being so passionate about it. I, I'm sitting here right now and like, I want to go and be a missionary right. <laughs> just from your guys' passion and excitement hey, about this. It's, we're, it's great. We're recruiting. We, we got some open positions. Uh, <laughs> I hope your congregation's not listening, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> Although in New England, we are missionaries. That's, that's true. Well, that's that's oh, hey, exactly. And, and guess what? You know, we, we're even having conversations now with some synods and, and Bishop Miller and, and Metro Chicago is excited about. So we have all these Yagam alums that come home. Why don't we create, like— domestic missionaries out yeah. of them, you know, yeah, and have them become absolutely. these these urban or domestic missionaries now that they've had this experience. And so it's something that, honestly, we're, we're kind of thinking about and playing with and have some alums all around the country entertaining. So, And actually, one of the missionaries who serves in, in South Africa, he's the regional representative, Pastor Phil Knutson. He, he says that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, and no matter where you're serving, you are a missionary because you have been called to your field and you have been called to go out and, and share God's God's love with with all. So you're right. You you guys are missionaries in New England. We're we're doing mission work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little absolutely. different than, than our actual missionaries. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone was interested in being a part of of Yagam, or if someone wants to learn more about you know what you guys do, or even uh, support with a, a gift, either financial or otherwise, how would they go about doing that? The easiest way to find more information is to go to elca.org slash global church. That will have all of the information that we were talking about. Uh, there will be a donate button on the on the side if you want to make a gift. And it has information all about Yagam, about our missionaries, about the Global Ministry Projects, about the International Women Leaders Initiative. So it's a great, a great place to start on our website. But I would really say if you want kind of those those pictures and exciting updates from time to time. And we always post things on social media. So Facebook, give us a like at ELCA Global Church. On Twitter, ELCA GCS. And we're always posting updates on social media. And as you guys know, it's a little easier and more flexible to post uh, things there. And so we'll post uh, not just stories of the ministries and things happening around the world, but some of those service opportunities as well. And for those who might be interested in, in serving as a young adult and global mission volunteer. Uh, the applications are usually, we, they're due in February. So there's still some time to, to discern it and think about it. And, and uh, we got some great YouTube videos uh, for all these ministries as well to check out. So That's great. Yeah, thank you very much. We just want to say thanks. I mean, it's, and, and, and thank you to all those who, who support the global church knowing that, uh, you know, there's so many demands, uh, both locally and, and kind of regionally, we are, are filled with hope and promise and optimism from the global church, from, from the stories and our companions who some are fighting to be Christian. Some are fighting to be Lutheran in contexts that are just much more difficult than ours here. And I think there's so much 
power, again, in that community, that global community of uh, the priesthood of all believers that we have to learn from. And so we want to say thank you to everyone who's ever made a gift or supported or prayed for one of our missionaries, one of our Yagams, or our scholarship recipients, or one of our evangelism projects. And we want to thank you guys. I know it's uh, easy sometimes in a congregation in North America to wonder if what you're doing matters, Mm. Uh, but to hear... Uh, that, you know, especially the gifts that you give to your congregation that then go on to the wider church, or if you directly uh, interact with the wider church, it does make an impact. And uh, to hear your excitement about that and your leadership in that is is really exciting for the two of us. So, so thanks a lot for what you do. Absolutely. Thanks so much. So if you are listening and you like to connect, uh, please do so. And uh, both Andrew and Nate would love to share their excitement and passion with you and get you connected into what they are doing for the church. And if you want to connect with Jeff or I, please do. Uh, We are found online, twobaldpastors.com. And we are also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash twobaldpastors. And we are here to help you connect your faith with your life. I am Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. That's what I tell my kids. If they are ever in a place where they need some help, just go to a Lutheran church. (laughs) Absolutely. My dad's pastor helped me. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> then they might uh, bar the door. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.